Hello. Welcome to For Your Children on WXRQ 1460 AM Christian Radio. I am your host, Tiffany Boyd, and my mission here at For Your Children is to share the truth and love about education. There is a battle raging for the souls of our nation's children. I hope this ministry prepares you for battle. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11. Thank you to the sponsors of Free Your Children and those that continue to support biblical education. I would like to thank Safe Storage for sponsoring Free Your Children. If you have storage needs, contact Safe Storage of Columbia, Mount Pleasant, and Hohenwall at safestoragetn.com. If you would like to sponsor Free Your Children radio show, contact me at freeyourchildren at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and of course my email, freeyourchildren at gmail.com, The Borough Pulse, where I'm a monthly contributor. You can go to The Borough Pulse and see all the articles that I've penned to date about education. And I'm also really excited about my upcoming project, which is a new website that's currently under construction. So I can't wait to unveil that one. And then for those of you that are in Tennessee, We have SB0417 and HB0455, which seek to limit parents' rights to withdraw their children from state public schools. This is legislation that's being introduced and will be up for vote. So it's my opinion that any bill that seeks to limit parental rights is not a good bill. If you are in Tennessee and this concerns you, I highly encourage you to contact your legislatures and let them know that you do not agree with this bill and that you are asking them to vote no. And speaking about politics, we have a fantastic guest with us tonight. Her name is Lynn Davenport, and Lynn is an education researcher and host of Social Impact Podcast on the OBBM Network. She lives in Dallas with her husband, William, where they raise their three children. She travels with families engaged for effective education to teach parents and citizens how to advocate and engage at the local level in politics. She encourages people to run, to expose, and educate. Elections are opportunities for a platform to expose waste, fraud, and abuse in your schools and local government. Welcome, Lynn. It's great to have you with us tonight. Thank you, Tiffany. I appreciate you having me on. Well, listen, you're down there in Texas, right? Yep. Currently in the middle of an ice storm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a little bit of bad weather here as well. Um, tell us, what's going on down there in Texas in terms of education? Well, Texas right now, we've got the 88th legislative session going on, and it's school choice week. And so you ha- we're being bombarded with messages about parent empowerment is what they're calling it and money Mm -hmm. following the child and uh, and but more importantly people are moving to texas in droves because they think that we are these freedom loving conservatives and don't tread on me you know Mm -hmm. come and take it kind of attitude texans are very independent which is all true right but they're coming here and they're realizing oh no our schools are in bad trouble things Mm -hmm. are not and also in the cities, they're they're uh, highly political, and our oh the other thing is our elections are not secure. Oh, so that's yes. why I said mm-hmm. in, in the bio to run for office, you may not be able to get elected, but you can at least 
uh, focus the conversation on important issues. Use it as an opportunity, even if you can't get elected. Right, we right. have to at least try. Yeah, shed a light in the darkness. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, mm-hmm. I know that a lot of listeners may not understand why so many of us are speaking out against school choice or in opposition of school choice because we see lots of conservatives peddling the idea of school choice and it sounds great because it's kind of packaged up to make it sound like it is empowering parents it's giving parents back their rights or giving them more flexibility in terms of the money following the child and choosing um, how their children are educated with funds that are allotted to them but Let's tell me your perspective about school choice and why you think it's dangerous. Yes. And and um, I, I would say that I would be all for the money following the child if I didn't know all of the 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 real, uh, you know, the devil's in the details. Right. It, the, the real story, what it really looks like. Mm-hmm. And our governor said in a press release last summer that there will be strings and measures of progress and we can't have a homeschooled child not being compliant. The parents not being compliant with accountability measures. That's very explicit language. This is, and and they, they try to assure us, no, 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 there will be no strings. These are state dollars. Parents can do what they want with it. And that's just not true. And they say, well, what if we wrote this in the bill and, and put some sort of stipulation? And we know that that is not possible. Anytime you're talking about government dollars, there has to be some accountability. Right. And so I understand, like, we don't disagree on why parents want to flee the public schools, because right. I do encourage parents now. Yes. Mine went through the system and I would I regret that. And I yes. would not do that had I you know, know what I know today. Right. So I would pull my children out. But if you take the money, not only does it bring strings, but it also puts the private school or the homeschool in jeopardy of losing the very thing that they're, they're absolutely. (laughs) Yes. The power that they want to, to um, harness as free agents that right. that goes away. So once your, your private school accepts the public dollars, it essentially becomes a public school. Absolutely. And I, you know, I speak about this continuously over on my for your children page and I've written about it extensively for the borough pulse. And, and I think what a lot of people also don't realize is how this is all tied into the globalization of education, because if you make all forms of education public, and the government is funding all forms, then you are stripping away the freedoms to be able to educate your children the way that you see fit as a family because what the government funds, it runs. That's right. And and um, I think that if people understood also what UNESCO wants and the yes. global mm-hmm. plan, it actually requires them to, to fold all children into, picture it like an umbrella, and I'll give you this graphic, but uh, my friend Ginger Russell made it years ago and she's a homeschooler, now a homeschool grandma. And she has been, she knows exactly what we're talking about, what right. you and I are saying. She's seen it. And and um, there is a divide between the homeschool communities. Half would say they want the money and the other half says, no, I don't want your money. I don't want your strings. Leave me alone. And so there is a bit of a, a, a battle going on with them. But under this umbrella in this graphic, it has homeschool, public school, charter schools and private schools all underneath this cover. And in mm-hmm. And if you've read Every Student Succeeds Act, which was passed under Obama, 
then you understand that this is all part of the plan. They want all children under this system. And the best way to do that, to tap into those who are not connected is or, or who are not tracked and um, under the system, how do you do that? You get them, you dangle the money carrot. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. it's a litmus test. And I will yes. say, I've never, I'm not wrong. I've never been wrong about this. And um, those who truly are conservatives and they truly understand what this means, it's a litmus test. So if they don't, if they're in support of school choice, then that tells me everything I need to know about how they can be compromised or how they are um, unwise to what's really going on. Yes. And their willingness to listen, if they are even open to the discussion when you're trying to educate them in regards to this matter, because I've seen some conservatives, uh, lawmakers that would are willing to listen and some that just do not seem that they want to hear the big picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, how- and, and a lot of it's based on funding because most of the people in office are bought by whoever got them, you know, right. you going to dance with the one who brought you. Yep. So they are, are they're bought or they're, you know, directed by those who fund them, which yes. is why I took no money from outside sources this last run that I had uh, with Dallas College our community college, because I'm, I I can't be part of that system. And of course, I can't get elected, but at least I try. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And you're shining a light on what's going on. And I think um, you kind of hit on something when, when you said that there are some homeschoolers that are for, are you talking about in your state, in Texas, some that want mm-hmm. um, school choice funding and some that do not. And I think uh, we see that a little bit here. Of course, those that are like, our family, we, we're coming up on our 20th year of homeschooling. So we're oh, the dinosaurs. Good for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that <laughs> homeschool. So those of us that have been doing it for a long time, and, and specifically those who've even been homeschooling longer than our family, they were some of the pioneers, you know, that were threatened with jail or having their children removed from the home. So wow. that group of families specifically know what it's like not to have freedoms. And so they really know why this is a bad thing. But what we're Mm. seeing, especially since COVID, is we had a whole new wave, a whole new influx of of homeschoolers. And of course, homeschooling is growing now at like a rate of 20%. And so a lot of the new homeschooling families that are coming in, they've never known a time where they didn't have the freedom and flexibility to homeschool. So they're right. And hearing Governor Abbott's words, it should be chilling for those who know that this is this is a right that we get from God. And we don't need the government telling us what we can or can't do. I mean, of course, that's all within reason. Obviously, we we don't want children being abused. So but they will take extreme cases and use that as a tool to come after homeschoolers. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's so many parents and, and I'm a big advocate, too, for churches to stand up and fill the gap in for parents. I've written extensively about this and spoken about it over on For Your Children that churches really need to stand up if there are families in their congregation that want to remove their children from government schools. The churches should be helping the parents to navigate that process and helping them because we know that so many children are falling away from the faith and it's because of the sheer hours that they spend in government schools where they're taught 
that their faith is a lie. So I would really like to see, you know, more churches and more pastors standing up and and being proactive when it comes to all of this and helping these families navigate these things. But yeah, I think the churches have definitely created family and the church has created a vacuum and the government has stepped in to fill it. Yes. And so, yeah, you're right. Our churches are completely asleep and it's it's coming more, it's becoming more difficult to find a church who, that isn't, isn't folded into the the global agenda. And that is, um, and also part of this impact. Um, I talk a lot about impact investing and how Mm -hmm. the churches are going to be measuring their reach and their, um, they're doing good. That will be all, um, measured and tracked for progress and for social impact. Right. Absolutely. Well, speaking about UNESCO and this globalization of education, Mm -hmm. let's talk about data mining and sharing. Um, I know I've seen your some of the things that you have posted on Facebook where you've discussed a little bit about this, but there might be listeners who don't understand what that is and why they should be concerned. Could you enlighten them? Yes. Uh, so the way that it's starting to uh, be clear to me is that it's almost like the whole world is in this game and we are being plugged into this metaverse and this, um, and, and the, well, so with the global game, it's like we're being tracked and we're being nudged and given incentives and, you know, it'll feel like, it feels like freedom, but it's actually a, a digital slavery. And so when right. they talk about things like, you know, freedom, they use those words, parent freedom and, and uh, educational freedom and parent empowerment, it's within their controlled system. So right. it's it's not really. So as far as the data mining, um, yeah. So we, what I figured out in Dallas, uh, we've got all these schemes going on that are to be scaled nationwide through mm-hmm. the Department of Education. Mm-hmm. But we've got nonprofits, philanthropists, and the schools all working together in these public-private partnerships. Right. And they hand over massive amounts of data to these entities. Mm-hmm. Now, under Obama's... Um, Executive Order 12866, FERPA, which is the Family Education Rights and Privacy Act, that was uh, re, uh, I guess that you could say it was gutted and they changed the regulation on that. So now any entity in the name of education research can access this if the school, you know, chooses to give it to them. And they do. Mm-hmm. So we've got a nonprofit in Dallas called the Commit Partnership. It's just a microcosm of what other states are doing. And they collect and harvest data on students. And Texas has mined more student data than any other state. Oh, wow. I don't know if that's just because we're so big and because Mm -hmm. we've got all the oil money or what, but Texas is a target. And, uh, you know, we've got all uh, like No Child Left Behind came out of, uh, you know, Bush and and Texas. He's Mm -hmm. from Texas. He was our governor before. And that um, that set up uh, a whole uh, focus on subpopulations and student data. So, yeah, what are they doing? It I, I think ultimately they're doing it. They're harvesting it. They're going to piece it together. Data interoperability from state to state is something that they're working on so mm-hmm. that your state, so Tennessee, can share data with Texas and we can right. lock all of this data together. But it's to feed artificial intelligence machine learning and predictive analytics. And of course, there's money to be made along the way. So it's not just about 
data being uh, potentially lucrative. Like they can, the more data they can harness, whoever holds that data can really kind of um, hold the most power. But I think it's not just about power and money. It's actually to feed a system that in the future will, um, that will put us in this simulation. So there's your virtual self and your physical self for digital twinning. And uh, I mean, it all sounds like really sci-fi crazy stuff. But if you follow Allison McDowell at Wrench in the Gears, Mm -hmm. she's helped me. We both got our start in education research. And then we started to see, oh, this is something way bigger. This is a global thing. Mm -hmm. This is... Um, they're learning us so they can then replace us with the AI mm-hmm. and then feed mm-hmm. us into this system of nudging us to d- desired outcomes. Whatever they want us to do, they can make us do through this right. technology. Yes. So yeah, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> yes. Are you seeing, we're seeing a lot of chatter about the data mining occurring in the social emotional learning programs that are popping up all over. Are you seeing that in Texas as well? Yes. And that emotional data also feeds into this, um, you know, kind of um, assessing who the child is from an emotional and um, non-cognitive level. And so Mm -hmm. they are like, I just posted something about uh, scoring and tracking character traits. Right. So it's actually conservatives pushing these stupid bills. Yes, Yes, absolutely. We just recently, not long ago, had a program adopted and I actually spoke to our local school board in opposition to this program because I went and carried, you know, all the research and information that that I had done about this particular program. It was an SEL program. And of course, it's all castle aligned. Mm-hmm. And they did wind up adopting the program in our local schools. And you're right. It is all of this goes back to a global initiative. And it's concerning to me because I see some individuals who have become sort of the face of homeschooling, which is ironic because um, one per- one of these people in particular, he doesn't have any children. He's not a homeschooler uh-huh. himself. Um, but I know at one point there were questions about his association with UNESCO. And I don't think that we ever, anyone ever received an answer um, as to why he was listed on UNESCO's uh, website. <laughs> oh, you're talking about Corey? Yes. yes, Corey yeah, he, yes. I don't trust him at all. And, you know, he's the poster child. And I, I think it's yes. interesting. It's always these, these younger white men. I yes. don't get it. Yes. And, well, and I'm, yeah. I, and I'm also noticing, too, that um, there's there's a big push within the uh, libertarian um, mm. side of politics. I know that, you know, Cato Institute and free fee, excuse me, F.E.E. Um, and um, what is it? Americans uh, for children, Americans for possible posterity or prosperity or something like that but um, oh yeah and pre- american federation of yes children, american federation of yes they all push these school choice initiatives and it is what they're doing is they are essentially you know they're lobbyists that's the thing is that people, they are yes and and so people don't understand that there's money <laughs> <laughs> this yeah is they're paid business. poster children and most of them are paid by a lot of these 
billionaires and oligarchs and these these yes. um, globalists who yes. p- who will be on either side because yes. I've seen those who were in Obama's administration were for it. You've had those like um, Condoleezza Rice and Joe Lieberman. I've seen he came to town for the American uh, American Federation of Children with uh-huh. Betsy DeVos's group. Yes. So yeah, this is a bipartisan thing. We need to understand this is a uni party. type uh, agenda. So Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily you'll you will see more conservatives talking about it. uh, But it is really a global agenda as so is the charter school model, anything that will take away and divert funds, the public funds Uh into private hands, you'll see those schemes and school choice vouchers and education savings accounts. It's all the same. They're all banking schemes or they are business deals. Absolutely. And the, in education, think about where our budget goes, you know, in Texas, it's like 56% of our budget, our property taxes actually fund our public schools, you know, whether it is education savings accounts or tax credit scholarships or a form of a voucher or something like that, they all need to be scrutinized. And I, I'd say the only system that I've seen that sounds good is if the money never leaves your property taxes, so you never right. actually pay it out, you get a, 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 a credit. Right. So it never leaves. That money is, is basically just not leaving your pocket and then you could because you get a break on your property taxes but but any of these all these discussions take away from the fact that we've had a for 20 years we've had a republican legislature dominating and yet we still have we're in the bottom quartile in performance in texas they all these legislators who are conservative they ignore the the 5.4 million children in public schools and all the issues we have instead of helping us clean it up and follow the money there they want the money to follow the child. So it's actually allowed their distraction for school choice vouchers has actually allowed for all kinds of fraud, waste and abuse that we will continue to pay for regardless of whether they win on their school choice deal. So that's, that's the other duplicitous kind of thing that is they can't walk and talk and chew gum. I meet with them now and I say, Hey, fine. You, you work on your school choice thing. It's not going to work, but you go ahead and waste all your time on that or some of your time on that. But can you please just carve out maybe half your time to help us do your job, which is for the senators, they're supposed to hold our commissioner accountable. Oh, and you know, we need to, um, I need to make a little jab here because your, your Tennessee education agency commissioner came from Texas under my, under our guy, Mike Marath, yours is Penny Schwinn, and yes, she is a total grifter. Mm-hmm. Yes, we've already had issues with her when she tried to institute the well-being task force um, a couple of years ago. And so that was a complete and total nightmare. And we yelled loud enough to get that, you know, removed. Uh, but mm-hmm. it was a, a program that was done, you know, kind of without a lot of people knowing about it. Or at least when we contacted our legislators, they had no idea or so they said that it had even been added to the state website. So, you know, it's kind of, you have to watch what they're doing and you have to constantly stay informed and make sure that you don't let your guard down. She's so sneaky. Mm -hmm. She and her husband both are, you know, as you know, the charter schools that they've been aligned with. Uh, I think her husband, it was Idea Mm -hmm. Charters that Mm -hmm. he used to be with, Paul. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, I knew that, yeah, I knew that she had been in California and I think started a, a charter school there. Maybe I might be incorrect about mm-hmm. that, but I think that's right. Um, no, and controversy follows her. We always say Penny Schwinn on her bike. She just gets on her bike, her Schwinn bike, and runs to another <laughs> state and fails upwards. Yes, we've, well, you know, and I'm glad you brought up charter schools because that is exactly what the controversy is here in Tennessee right now because we have just opened up the door to public charter schools in terms, uh, I think they made a deal with Hillsdale. Uh, And so that's been all over the news. And so I just actually wrote a piece for the Borough Pulse that will be released in just a few days. By the time the show airs, of course, it will already be out. So let's talk Mm. a little bit about charter schools. What's your opinion on charter schools? Yeah, I, I know that the free market conservatives love it because they think, oh, well, the competition, you know, lifts all boats. And what mm-hmm. we found is, and we have hard data to prove this, that anecdotally, you might have a charter down the street that's better than your neighborhood school down the street. So it's not that there aren't those cases. Right. But as a whole, we've got 1,200 um, school districts in Texas. Our charter schools like Harmony and Idea and KIPP, they do not outperform our crummy public schools. That's exactly what I've seen in the research that I've done as well. Yeah. So I'd be all for it if it actually was working, but they talk about innovation. There's nothing different that separates a charter school from the public school in terms of our crummy standards. The Mm TEKS, TEKS is what we call it. Y'all call it something else. But our TEKS are the same for charters or public schools. And so is the STAR test, our standardized testing. So it's not really, there's nothing innovative. They have the same woke teachers or, you know, uncertified. They actually can hire uncertified teachers. Exactly. I touch on this in the article that I just wrote. And of course, they have a lot less oversight than a traditional public school, too. And that's what I have seen in the research that I have done is the fact that there's not very much accountability. (laughs) Because they don't have a locally democratically elected board. Exactly. Which, you know, I know why that's appealing because we know most of these trustees who are elected are part of the machine. So, but, but gosh, imagine if you've got just a corporate board and a bunch of bottom feeders who are in it to make money, they don't have to answer to the public. So they take public dollars, but it's really taxation without representation is what we say. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting watching it unfold here in Tennessee because there are a lot of parents that think that this is going to solve all the educational and even probably some politicians as well that believe that this is going to be the answer to the educational problems in our state. But from what mm-hmm. I've seen nationwide through the research that I have done is that charter schools are not solving the problem nationwide. <laughs> no. And it, for us, it's basically about the butts and the seats funding and they right. want access to that. Um, also, I will, um, if you picture three lanes on a highway, what we're seeing in Texas is for a long time, we've been paying since 95, we've been paying for two lanes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Virtual, mm-hmm. I mean, not virtual, but charter schools and public schools kind of in this dual system right. going alongside each other, but we're paying for both. Now they've added a third lane through the, uh, the legislature last session So now it's virtual education. So we've got charter schools, public schools, and virtual schools. Now we're going to be paying for three parallel systems. Taxpayers are only just going to be gouged even more. Nothing, nothing will be, um, we will never see a break. There are a lot of conservatives talking about property tax relief, but they endorse all of these things, which will be funding. Right. 
Well, let's talk about virtual education. Do you have a lot of mm-hmm. virtual education programs in Texas? Well, we have something that's called a metaverse school. It's Stemuli, S-T-E-M, like STEM, uh-huh. Stemuli, instead of, uh, so it's play on words for science, technology, right. engineering, and math. So Stemuli is a virtual campus in Dallas ISD, and they call it a metaverse campus or a hybrid academy. Okay. And what they mean by that is for two days a week, you go into a physical building mm-hmm. and then three days a week, you're in the metaverse with an avatar as representing you. So remember I talked about digital right. twinning. Uh-huh. So they're, they're doing this pilot in Dallas. It's being funded by um, IBM and all these donors, and it's going to be scaled nationwide for this supposed successful model. It's creepy. A virtual eyeball follows the child throughout the lessons. And it's like, they call it a video game. It's a school within a video game. That's what the founder calls it. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. (laughs) I know. And I've read a lot about this. Yes. So think about gamification of education. Remember I said we're being plugged into this this global video kind of right. a global game right they are enticing the children with all of these software programs that yes. do that mm-hmm. Dallas is a big hub for this so-called innovation we also have a virtual learning commission that was created through the legislature and they met and they will re- make recommendations through the uh, it was all rigged by an online charter and and charter testifiers, but they came in and kind of stacked the deck against those of us who wanted to oppose it. And this is conservatives pushing it. So virtual learning um, will be, I I, I suspect where they're going with this is they will give parents these virtual wallets and they'll be on blockchain technology and they will be able to take that money to create their own um, sort of hybrid learning plan. But I I can't prove that. That's just what, you know, I'm I'm trying to read the tea leaves. Right. Well, we (laughs) um, here in Tennessee, uh, there's some chatter right now because they are trying to change or or lift uh, the requirement that only so many children can be in a classroom, you know, a a certain classroom, like a, a cap, a size cap. So, you know, currently only so many children can be in, say, a kindergarten classroom. They're trying to lift those restrictions. Does Texas have any restrictions, you know, limiting the size that a classroom can be currently? Well, that's interesting you ask because um, we did have limitations and then they introduced something which kind of turns all districts into a charter-like model of flexibility and Uh um, exemptions. They call it districts of innovation and they can exempt themselves out of the class size restrictions and without a waiver. So normally they have to tell the parents, but under that exemption, they can increase class size without notifying the parents, which of course is not innovative at all. It's actually that we know class size matters. Right. Well, I think it's interesting that you were talking about virtual because I've said for quite some time that I feel like that's going to be the wave of the future that eventually I really feel like education is going to be um, virtual and the kids Mm -hmm. will be in a classroom with nothing more than essentially just a monitor, you know, for crowd control. And then the, the teacher or the instructor will be, you know, pumped in via technology. 
You're so wise because yeah, they will be basically relegated to a digital instructor Mm -hmm. and you don't need to have a career and, um, you know, somebody who teaching is a calling and, uh, you know, a life uh, decision to, you know, be an educator and they're degreed and they've gone through child development and all those things. You don't need that with a digital facilitator. You could just have a little teach for America change agent who comes in there and doesn't really need to know much. The kid moves through the different competencies and that's kind of like, um, so, so the overarching issue in Texas we with our governor, he wants to be the leader in blockchain and cryptocurrency, which is a, a global currency that we believe he's trying to um, be a, you know, kind of a pioneer on. Right, right. And so we think that he's doing it, he's going to do it through the schools because his appointed commissioner for education came from Dallas and they're doing that in Dallas with these blockchain wallets. So everything the kid does is on a blockchain wallet, their credentials, their school records, their um, even their PE data, right? Um, they're in mental health. They've got a mental health app on blockchain, all of that's tied in. And so we do believe he's wanting to like they're neck and neck with, we are neck and neck with um, um, what is it? Uh, is it Montana? I think. Okay. Yeah. So, so this is why we're watching this, these virtual wallets. We think they're going to put the school voucher money on there and then they're shifting, collapse the dollar, shift into this global currency and people will be now using this digital currency, which is, and, and your, you know, all of your biometric stuff will be tied in too. So we're trying to fight that. Right. Right. Well, I mean, it's everywhere. It's it's nationwide. I think that's what parents sometimes don't understand is they might think it's happening somewhere else or if there's an issue going on, you know, in their school system currently that they're dealing with. Uh, they mm-hmm. sometimes think it, it might be just in their local school, but there might be a school down the road, a, a county down the road that, you know, isn't experiencing some of these issues. But what I have seen is it's just pervasive. It's just nationwide. There's there's no state that's exempt. There's no school district that it that is exempt. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's is that true. What you're it, seeing? It, absolutely. And so there's nowhere to run. And people think a smaller district or another right. state. This is a global plan. It is coming in through. It's locked in like a set of gears through mm-hmm. legislation rolling downhill. And um, yeah, we have all these. Um, you know, these experiments over the last however many decades with curriculum changes and technologies, and there's just been no fruit. We've, we've seen no progress. Uh, the more technology we use, the more mental health issues we have, the more yep. um, money we spend because mm-hmm. that's in buildings and in technology. That's where the, you know, all the infrastructure and we have the proof that it's just not working. Right. Absolutely. Well, listen, Lynn, I appreciate you being willing to come on tonight and share all of your wisdom and knowledge. Tell tell parents or listeners, what can they do? What should they do to get involved? To try to yeah, for solutions, um, detach your child. That's really hard to do. It takes a lot of discipline and um, hands-on parenting and creativity. Mm-hmm. So detaching them from the metaverse, they can't track them if they're not on a device, you know, right. until they get it chipped in our hands or whatever, <laughs> you right. know, we've got the freedom to, to detach and, um, and, and, 
piece their education together and abandon what we have in our minds of what we had as being what our kids need because the world is different. So you can have a more creative sort of, um, you know, quilt like patchwork to put their education together. Wherever you're weak, you just find somebody and barter and trade or whatever their strengths are. And as moms, I mean, we're so resourceful and we have so many resources. You really can do it even if you work um, and just find that community of people who see what you see and grow it. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you, Lynn, for being with us tonight. If you are a parent and you are trying to navigate withdrawing your children from public schools, please reach out to me if you need help. Uh, for your children at gmail.com. I want to say thank you again to Safe Storage for sponsoring safestoragetn.com for all your storage needs. And I want to leave you with this, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Matthew 18, 20. Parents, you are equipped. You can do this. Remember, we love you here at WXRQ, but Jesus loves you so much more. Good night and God bless.